Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Are you caring for an aging loved one? Are you a senior searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you. Providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And now, America's Senior Care Consultant, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, your Senior Care Consultant, and I really appreciate you tuning in today. The mission of Senior Care Live is to provide information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And we have an excellent program for you here today. Dr. Roya Tarani, the Associate Medical Director of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, and Patty Poor, Director of Clinical Services, again, with Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And ladies, welcome to Senior Care Live. Thank, Thank you. you. For, thank you for having us. All right. So as you know, Friday was Feb, you know, February the 3rd. Uh, it was National Women's Physicians Day. And I'm going to start out by welcoming Patty Poor, again, Kansas City Hospice Director of Clinical Services, to tell us uh, more about National Women Physicians Day and its significance. Sure. Thank you, Steve. February 3rd is the birthday of Dr. Elizabeth Blackwell, the first woman to receive a medical degree in the U.S. in 1849, starting a movement that helped women gain entry into the field of medicine. This has become a day to celebrate Elizabeth Blackwell's work to promote gender equality in the medical profession and a day to recognize the accomplishments of all female physicians who have advanced the field of medicine. This day is also an opportunity to spread awareness about the continued need for equality and support of women entering and working in the field of medicine. The 2022 statistics show that women make up more than one-third of all physicians in the U.S., but, what, but that varies greatly between specialties, with the highest proportion of women specializing in pediatrics at 58% and the lowest in urology at 8%. Support for women physicians as part of a critical workforce is important to ensuring adequate health care is available to those who need it, including an aging population in need of palliative and hospice care. 
All right. All right. That's, that's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And with that background, I'd like to welcome our second guest, a female physician herself. Again, Dr. Roya Terani, the Associate Medical Director at Kansas City Hospice. And uh, welcome, Dr. Terani. And uh, can, can you share a little bit about your background and your role with uh, Kansas City Hospice? Yes. Well, thanks again for having me. You bet. Um, so a little bit about myself and my professional background. I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and then went to KU for undergrad and then on to KU Medical School here for uh, my medical training. After that, I did a residency in internal medicine and pediatrics, which I did in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, from there, I became a hospitalist. So that's a physician who sees patients in the hospital and doesn't see any outpatients, but just um, rounding in the hospital on, on patients that are critically ill in there. And I just found myself really drawn to the very palliative care floor that we had there in the hospital um, that had patients who were going through a, a terminal illness. And I just really bonded with those patients and the families. And so that drew me to pursuing a fellowship in hospice and palliative medicine, which I did in Chicago at Cook County Hospital there. So um, after living in Chicago for a few years, I always knew I wanted to come back to Kansas. So I came back here and stayed home with my children who were young at the time for a few years and then started with Kansas City Hospice about two years ago. Okay. And what uh, now did you round at KU Med Center or was it somewhere else? No, um, I was a hospitalist in South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Yes, okay. and then also in Chicago prior to doing my fellowship. Yep. So. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Can you tell us more about the role a physician plays for patients and their families when they consider starting hospice care and then how their role changes once someone starts or begins hospice services? Sure. Well, most doctors are well informed about hospice and are often the ones that make that referral to hospice or ask for consultation to help you understand your options. So this might come from a number of physicians that you might see, whether that be your primary care physician, um, or if you're seeing someone for heart failure, that might come from your cardiologist. Those who have COPD, which is a lung disease, that might come from your pulmonologist, or those with cancer, your oncologist. And um, so really any physician can refer you to hospice. And then once you start hospice, then the hospice team will work closely with that physician, also you and your family, to develop a plan of care. So then once you're admitted to hospice, um, a physician with your hospice provider, such as myself, then becomes the primary doctor overseeing your care, but we still are in close contact with your referring physician and your um, family physician if needed. So we assume this responsibility because we have that extra training in hospice care and specializing in end-of-life and symptom management for patients that need it. And if I had to guess, a a lot of maybe uh, generalists, don't have a lot of training in end of life. And I've just, I've heard this over and over. I've gone to a lot of seminars and I've heard all the statistics. So having your level of expertise really just kind of driving the entire plan of care is very valuable. Yes, I agree. You know, this is what I do all day, every day. And so we just, we become proficient at it and we can provide that support for patients and their families. That is excellent. And can you tell us more about that and yet what education or training do hospice and palliative care physicians go through? Well, so like all other medical specialties, we first get our doctorate degree in medicine. So that's four years of medical school after our undergraduate um, 
graduation. And then after medical school, we complete anywhere from a three to seven year residency program in our primary specialty. So for me, it was internal medicine and pediatrics. Um, but any other specialty like family medicine, neurology, emergency medicine, um, anesthesia, um, all of those specialties can then subspecialize. And so for me, I went to a subspecialty program in hospice and palliative medicine, which was a one-year fellowship. And so that just really solidifies our knowledge and makes us experts in that field. All right. That's that's really, really cool. So, uh, And then what is the role of the hospice physician once the care begins? So again, we just, we oversee all of the care. We work as a team. So between um, us and nurses, um, therapists, health aides, social workers, chaplains, bereavement support staff, and trained volunteers, we all work together to improve the patient's ability to cope with that illness and all of its symptoms. And we also provide a great support to families and caregivers, as this can be a very distressful time for them as well. So we are constantly managing symptoms and closely monitoring to improve comfort and reduce episodes of crisis or distress. So our goal really is to just improve quality of life near the end of life. So, um, you know, a couple of things that are kind of misconceptions about hospice care are that mm-hmm. um, hospice should only be available to those who are very terminal and at the end of life that are imminently dying. A lot of times when I see patients in the hospital and I explain my role as a um, hospice physician, they'll say, well, gosh, do I do I need hospice now? I'm not dying. And you know, hospice is for anyone who has a life-limiting illness and a physician believes that their prognosis is six months or less. Yeah, six months is kind of that that uh, that trigger, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you know, and the, and the earlier we start, the better, just because we can really get that symptom management under control. I think sometimes um, patients sign up for hospice too late and we're only able to manage those symptoms really well for them for a few days when they've been suffering for months and months prior to that and could have used our services earlier than that. Yeah, I, I know a lot of folks regret not reaching out to a, a hospice provider much sooner than they than they actually did. So it, it's just it's just very very interesting. So instead of spending their last months pursuing treatment, uh, it may be a better idea just to spend that time refocusing and and living more comfortably uh, in the time that they have left. Like you said, you know, six months or less. Yes. So, of course, it's always up to the patient and their physician as to when that time is right to enroll in hospice. But again, we hear from them over and over that they wish that they had come to us sooner. Um, Another misconception is that we are there to hasten death or we are there to sedate people until they die. And and that's absolutely not true. You know, our, again, we, we start with those medications, but we start at as low dose as possible because we know that it's important to families and patients that they remain alert and be able to have those interactions and meaningful time with their family members in the time that they have left. All right. All right. So uh, today we're visiting with Dr. Roya Terani. She's the Associate Medical Director with Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care and Patty Poor, Director of Clinical Services, again, with Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. If you want to reach out to uh, to uh, Dr. Tehrani and Patty and the the excellent team at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, here's the phone number. You're going to want to write it down. It's 816-363-2600. That's 816-363-2600. Or... Could visit online. It is an excellent website at kchospice.org, kchospice.org. 
www.ncpcc.org. And we'll be back with Dr. Tehrani and Patty Poor coming up next. But first, the Senior Care Live question of the week. Once someone has begun hospice care, their primary care physician no longer plays a role in their care. Is that statement true or false? What do you think? You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. Back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. Once someone has begun hospice care, their primary care physician no longer plays a role in their care. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False. That statement is false. And doctor, why is that statement false? Well, once you're admitted to hospice, a physician with your hospice provider becomes your primary physician overseeing care, but they're able to consult with your family physician as needed. As part of the admissions process, your hospice physician will work closely with your primary care doctor to develop your own personal plan of care. So we understand that you develop close relationships with the physicians that you've probably been seeing for many years. And of course, we want them to be a part of the process as well. All right. All right. Excellent. And that is very good to know. Uh, again, uh, back with my special guests in studio today, Dr. Roya Tehrani and Patty Poor, both with Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And February is also American Heart Month. And I'm going to turn back to Patty Poor to uh, talk a little bit more about options for people dealing with the very distressing symptoms of advanced heart disease. And uh, tell us how hospice and palliative care fit into the care of people suffering with diseases such as CHF, which is congestive heart failure. Patty? Sure. So heart disease can be a difficult physical and emotional battle. The symptoms can be very distressing, such as shortness of breath, chest pain, high blood pressure, weakness, fatigue, dizziness, and inability to function normally. Congestive heart failure in its final stages is often unpredictable and symptoms can vary. In the past, physicians were less likely to suggest hospice for congestive heart failure or other cardiac diseases. That trend is now reversing and more cardiologists seek help for their patients whose symptoms are overly distressing. CHF and uh, it w- was in a hospice kind of a situation and she did that cycle. It, it was she, that, ex- that exact thing happened to her, happened with her. So uh, that is, uh, but she, she had some good care down in Florida and uh, she was very comfortable and uh, that was a, that was a good thing. So, well, so what are some of the signs that a person with heart disease might want to consult with Kansas City Hospice? Well, care is available even earlier in the disease process. Kansas City Hospice has a program called Community-Based Palliative Care that can help patients diagnosed with a heart condition that require significant symptoms of fatigue, shortness of breath, or functional decline. They have optimal treatment. Their optimal treatment has already been provided, and they are not a candidate for further surgical or medical intervention. The patient has had treatments and made the personal choice not to pursue any further specialized treatment. 
The best thing to do is to call whenever you have concerns about your heart disease, and our staff can help find the best way to help you and your family. Okay. All right. All good advice. Very good points. And you know, we've talked before on the show about how people uh, very frequently say they wish they had taken a look at hospice much, much sooner than they did. So how does that apply with, uh, uh, with heart disease? So hospice and palliative care physicians specialize in managing these distressing symptoms and making people as comfortable as possible and help patients accomplish important goals. All right. All right. And Dr. Tehrani, um, if I could turn back to you, uh, maybe uh, you could tell us about the risks of heart disease uh, in in women. And uh, I was I know about some of this information. and I was just really shocked. I think our listeners will be very surprised. Well, some of the risks um, for heart disease in both men and women um, are hypertension, which is high blood pressure, um, hyperlipidemia, which is high cholesterol, diabetes, smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity or sedentary lifestyle. So interestingly, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women, which causes about one-third of deaths in women each year. And that's the one that kind of knocked me out of my chair the first time I learned that. I'm like, you're kidding. I mean, more than, you know, breast cancer and just some mm-hmm. of all these other things that you would think would be number one and they're not they're not yeah. I, I that was i was really caught off guard by that so yet only about half of women recognize that heart disease is their number one killer so heart disease and stroke can affect women of any age and women experience unique life events that can impact their risk including pregnancy and menopause so a healthy lifestyle education about your own risk and a focus on both physical and mental health are important to preventing cardiovascular disease in women you can learn more about the causes and prevention of heart disease as well as signs and symptoms at goredforwomen.org or at cdc.gov slash heart disease slash women. All right. And uh, Patty, I, I assume you probably have uh, some information uh, about this on your website as well at, at uh, kchospice.org. Absolutely. Yes. We, um, our website is a great resource for people to learn about our end of life issues. Um, kchospice.org. It has information for people wanting to learn more about their options, including for advanced heart disease care. Our main phone number is always available for those less comfortable with electronics. (laughs) And that number is 816-363-2600. All right. And uh, and before I know, I know you got to get going here. Uh, My friend, uh, his wife and gosh, she was probably in her 40s. She she watched Oprah all the time. And then uh, anyway, she she went to the dentist. She went home. She lay down. She got up and there was a a possible heart attack Mm -hmm. in a female. She kind of freaked out. She called her husband. They they took her in. She was having a heart attack with jaw pain. Wow. And, and that was it. So just sharing this kind of information uh, is so valuable. And you never know. It may lead to uh, saving someone's life just, just by sharing all this information. So uh, I really appreciate both of you coming in today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. Again, Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care at 816-363-2600 or online at kchospice.org. I'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. Stick around. We'll have more with Steve coming up next.
Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For podcasts of the program, go to SeniorCareLive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I've mentioned this before. And gosh, I've talked to so many people here recently about this. But any time I do that, I just kind of feel the nudge. If I've had a lot of the questions, a lot of the same questions or similar questions, I feel the nudge to share that with you. And so I've had so many people a little bit caught off guard to find that there is a seasonal demand for senior care. They're like, wait, wait a minute. Uh, Really? So... (laughs) You have kind of a seasonality or kind of a cyclical demand, and uh, it is true. It's very true. In fact, you could just set your clock to it. It happens every single year. And I've mentioned it before, but a quick review, January and February and then into March. Okay, Uh, that is the peak demand for all of senior care, all of it, every single bit of it. Okay, from home care to independent living to assisted living to long-term care, uh, all of the above. This is when we have just huge, huge numbers of people out in the market, and they're snapping up all of the apartments and the beds and and uh, and, and the villas and the everythings, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 all of the hours available at the home care provider, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A couple reasons for that. So, number one. Because, I, I again, I mean, I've had some very, very smart people look at me like, well, why is that? I mean, so if it's news to you, I, it, that's a really good question. So something happens over the holiday time. So uh, it, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and all, all the other holiday events, families get together. And then they have some realizations like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize – Mom is just not doing as well as we thought, and uh, ooh, dad, um, dad has not been honest with us. And this is we we're concerned about some safety issues here and some risks. Uh, we should uh, get together as a family and and discuss this, and and maybe think about bringing in a home care provider. Maybe thinking about looking for an assisted living uh, community, et cetera, et cetera. So families get together; they have these new realizations. They, they have, uh, you know, conversations. And then what do we always do? We kick the ball. We kick the can <laughs> down the road and uh, uh, until, until when? After the holidays. Hey, let's get through the holidays, and then after the holidays, we'll get out and, and uh, we'll make some decisions here. So that happens. The other thing that happens in January is uh, typically it's, uh, it's the coldest month of the year. And you have just a natural increase in illness, flu, pneumonia, uh, the stupid COVID is, I think it's going to be around here forever, uh, right? So, so I mean, that, that's still hanging around and uh, you, have, you, know, you have people who unfortunately may fall on the ice and, and, and break a hip and, uh, and yet, you know, all heck breaks loose, right? So you have that natural increase in demand, along with what I describe as a pent-up, newly realized, delayed demand. And boom, there's your peak demand. It happens about January the 7th through the 10th. Somewhere in there, you can just feel the ground shaking with just tens of thousands of people entering the market. And again, 
gobbling up all of the apartments and the rooms and 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 the hours and 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 taking everything up and now we have waiting lists <laughs> and and now you have to try to manage that so uh, so that's that's pretty tough so uh, so here we are we are in the thick of it i'm running into waiting lists all over the place okay so i help my clients through that uh, sometimes we'll kind of build the bridge we'll bring in some some uh, care and assistance at home while we're waiting on our room or our apartment to become available here in the near future, I'm working with a lot of families right now who are way out ahead of it. They say, Steve, you know, we're thinking about maybe moving you know, sometime in the summer, maybe even into the fall. Okay, well, it's is it too early to look to do our homework and, and tour these places and get our name on wait list? Now, the answer is no, it's definitely not too early. If we're, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if we're honest you know we're 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 concerned about the need for this we think uh, you know we might want to move in several months you know maybe 6 8 10 12 months uh, but you would be surprised how many times we go through the exercise we locate and we identify the place that we're interested in we get on the wait list and then something and this doesn't happen every time but it's pretty common that something happens, an accident, we had a fall, we had an illness, something happens that uh, all of a sudden just changes the situation. And I would say more often than not, even if we're planning, even if we're proactive, we're way out ahead of it, more often than not, we end up needing that care community sooner than we thought, and sometimes much sooner than we thought. So uh, that's just a little bit of a heads up. But with so many people uh, either in the market or getting ready to enter the market, I wanted to review with you what you must determine before ever thinking about beginning your search. So I see so many families, and look, I'm not mad and I'm not trying to be too critical, but there are so many families, and, and, uh, and they're trying to do their best. But they take the old shotgun approach, <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, all right, you you go check out this one, and I've there's there's this place that I drive by on my way to work, and and, and what about you? Oh yeah, yeah, you heard about this uh, this particular place from from uh, you know the lady at work or the lady at church, and uh, everyone go out and do your homework, and we'll reconvene uh, in a week or in a couple of days, and we'll compare notes. Okay, so you're kind of wasting your time, if I can be really honest." I'm going to save you a ridiculous amount of time by letting you know what to determine before your search. Don't do the old shotgun approach because uh, it's going to be pretty unproductive for you. This is why it's very, very typical to have a family, if you're trying to do your homework, uh, to have a, a, a family or an individual or a couple of folks spending 50 to 100 hours Running around, looking at all these places, you know, just trying trying to get it right. Okay, I'm going to save you at least half of that time. So the first thing that you must know and determine before ever thinking about beginning your search is you have to determine what level of care you need. Now, that's going to require you to understand what is all provided in these different levels of care. I'm going to go through that, and I've talked about this on the program before. So if you're a longtime Senior Care Live listener, you may already know this. If you're new to the program, first of all, welcome, <laughs> and, uh, and and really appreciate you being here, but uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to get through this. So levels of care, 
So you have the long-term care level of care, and uh, and I don't need any emails. I don't need any hate mails or folks being critical, uh, but I'm also going to refer to it as a nursing home because guess what? <laughs> the vast majority of our population still think of it and still refer to it as a nursing home. I know that's not the correct marketing term, not politically correct and all that kind of stuff, but I generally call it long-term care, also known as a nursing home. This is the highest level of care in a care community that you could receive. Okay, It has the, it has the highest number of RNs and LPNs, and you have CMAs and CNAs, and they can provide full medical assistance there, wound care, and catheter care. Uh, it, it just goes on and on and on. So that, that's the highest level of care. Well, Steve, I don't think we need that. That sounds like too much. I mean, mom just needs, you know, a, a little bit of help with some of the you know, kind of your daily activities. OK, well, then we may be a better fit in the assisted living level of care in the assisted living level of care is a social model that helps individuals with their activities of daily living including it can help you minimally or fully with your bathing and dressing and grooming. And they distribute your medications. They can help you use the toilet. Uh, They can help you in and out of the the shower. They provide a certain level of incontinence support. They prepare all your meals, snacks, and hydration. It's a full slate of activities. Doctors make house calls essentially coming to you. There's transportation to get out to see your doctor. Uh, So there's there's a lot of help. It's just not really medically based, okay? And that's the assisted living level of care. Again, that long-term care level of care does all of that, plus, you know, Wound care, diabetic management with insulin injection, two-person transfer, even using a mechanical lift. Uh, it, it, that, it, you get the idea, okay? I don't want to backtrack too much. So you've got long-term care, assisted living. You have residential care, which is essentially uh, on the lighter side of assisted living. Then you have Home Plus, which is the assisted living level of care provided uh, in, a, in a ranch-style house, essentially. So you have to, the first thing you have to know is what level of care will you or your loved one require? And coming up next, I am going to go through all of the different elements of what you must determine before ever beginning your search for a senior care community. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. To contact Steve or a guest on his show, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more coming up. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. If you have a question, visit SeniorCareLive.com. And also, I meant to mention this earlier, but uh, I definitely do not want to forget, would like to welcome our latest and newest affiliate to the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. This is KROE AM and FM 103.9 in Sheridan, Wyoming. I was just visiting with our producer extraordinaire, Sean, and he said it's just a beautiful part of the country up in Sheridan, Wyoming. And so for uh, for all you good folks there tuning in, just discovering Senior Care Live uh, February the 4th. So it'll it, it, that's, the first, uh, that's the first time that it will be broadcast there, and it's going to be Sunday afternoon, 
Stations, I believe at 2 p.m., uh, but check with your local station on that. And uh, again, just want to welcome uh, the good folks from Sheridan, Wyoming, and uh, thank uh, the great folks at KROE AM and FM for uh, welcoming Senior Care Live to your lineup. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right, so back to what you must determine before beginning your search. So again, you need to know the level of care, long-term care, assisted living, home plus, residential care. Those are kind of the kind of the big four. There's also an intermediate care facility, ICF, which is basically like a nursing home or, or, or long-term care without the Medicare certified skilled nursing and rehab portion. They do everything else except for that part, so... All right, then we have to move on to what type of care do we need? So I like to break this down. I just call it general care. I think I've pretty much coined that phrase over all these years. Well, Steve, no, it's just it's, it's assisted living. Well, no, assisted living is the level of care. And here's how I uh, like to tie the level of care. I tie that to the licensure. Okay, so the licensure for an assisted living community, says what you can and cannot provide. The licensure for a long-term care community, again, says what you must provide and what you cannot provide, and et cetera, et cetera. So I, that's the level of care. I, I tie that to the licensure, which states what you can do and how much of it you can do, <laughs> right? And then the type of care, general care, just general everyday care. Do you need Memory care. And again, memory care is a special type of care for cognitively impaired residents. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very, very much needed, obviously, right? So we have general care. Do you need memory care? Do you need skilled nursing and rehab? Okay. And you also need to know some of these things can only be provided uh, at a certain level of care. So the type of care, skilled nursing and rehab, cannot be provided in an assisted living community. That can only be provided at the long-term care level of care. And the type that I'm talking about is covered and paid for by your Medicare benefit and private pay, or excuse me, and private insurance, not private pay. Well, you could private pay for it as well. That would be really expensive. <laughs> but uh, most folks uh, going into long-term care requiring skilled nursing and rehab, that is covered on their Medicare, their Medicare benefit. All right. Do you need mental health care? Okay. So that is a very specialized type of care for someone with mental illness. Now, I'm not talking about depression or anxiety. I'm talking about uh, some of your uh, – you know, so, some of your – Common mental illnesses, schizophrenia, psychosis, uh, and it, it goes on and on. Okay, so that's a very special type of care. Do you need hospice care? Okay, hospice is a special type of care that is provided wherever you call home. So hospice care can be provided at your house, your apartment, if you're living in in, say, an assisted living community, hospice care can be provided there. If you're living in a long-term care community, also known as a nursing home, hospice care can be provided there. Okay, so we've got our level of care, and we have our type of care. The third thing you must – so do you see how complicated this is getting? 
So just that that old shotgun approach, that that would be like going out and just stopping by any house that had a a, a realtor sign in the yard. That that's how much time, uh, how much of a waste of time it, it would be. That's a pretty good analogy. Well, you would never look for a house like that. You would determine what you wanted in a house, how large the house is, the age of the home, the location of the home, the affordability, you know, all the stuff before you ever even thought about going out looking for a house. This is the same thing. Okay, so the third element, the third thing you must determine before ever beginning your search, payment method. That's the 800-pound elephant in the room, right? It costs what? Oh, my goodness. How are we going to pay for this? How long will our money last? So here are your options. Private pay. If you hear the term private pay, you're paying from your own resources. You're paying, uh, you know, you're writing a check. It's coming out of your resources. Okay. Uh, You could pay for your care with the Medicare benefit. Let me say this, Medicare, uh, it, paying for skilled nursing and rehab, it's a wonderful, wonderful benefit, but it's very, very limited. And it's also for a, a very short period of time, okay, in a special circumstance of being discharged from a hospital once you stay for three midnights, three overnights or longer, it's an automatic, automatic trigger. If you're in the hospital for observation, Probably not going to cover it. Okay, you have to be an inpatient and admitted and being treated treated for something. I don't have a whole lot of time to go into that today. Okay, you could also pay for your senior care community with a long-term care insurance policy. I've talked about that many times before in the program. And the VA aid and attendance benefit can also help you pay for your stay in a senior care community. All right, the location. Here's the question I ask my clients all the time. How far are you willing to drive for your loved one to get the best care? How far out can I throw the net when I'm, when I'm doing the market research? Well, Steve, they have to be within three blocks of my house or I'm not interested. Okay, well, okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> right, right. We have to have some flexibility. Most of my clients are willing to drive 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes uh, one way to, to, to find some great care. And fortunately, uh, where, where I live uh, here in, in the Kansas City area, uh, that, that's very, very doable. But location, location parameters, we didn't know that. And then any personal preferences and needs. Uh, so it can be something super, super specific that you need or would like to request. So these are the things that you must determine before ever thinking about beginning your search. If you're completely overwhelmed and you're like, okay, I didn't realize all that. That makes sense. If you need professional help and guidance, I would invite you to call my firm, Senior Care Consulting, and we, let's just have a talk about that, see if we might be a great fit for you at 913-945-2800. 913-945-2800 or online at SeniorCareConsulting.com Alright, I'm Steve Keeker and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live!
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.